So there was this one time where Jesus was with his homies, his what up buddies, you know what I mean, fist bump, his bros. They were hanging out. They got out of this boat and this crazy, crazy dude ran up to him. This dude was known for being crazy. In fact, people said this guy is demon possessed, demon possessed. He runs up to Jesus. They start talking. Jesus casts the demon out of this guy. And the demons go into a herd of pigs. And the herd of pigs run off down a steep hill and drown in a lake. That's really in the Bible. I'm not making that up. It's in Luke. I'm going to read it to you. Luke 8, 26 through 37. A little bit of a chapter here. If you've got a Bible, you can open up to it. You've got you version on your phone. You can open up to it. Or you can look on the side screens with me as we read this. But, but check this story out. Luke 8, 26 through 37. So they arrived in the region of the Gerasenes, across the lake from Galilee. As Jesus was climbing out of the boat, a man who was possessed by demons came out to meet him. For a long time he had been homeless and naked, living in a cemetery outside the town. As soon as he saw Jesus, he shrieked and fell down in front of him. Then he screamed, Why are you interfering with me, Jesus, son of the Most High God? Please, I beg you, don't torture me. For Jesus had already commanded the evil spirit to come out of him. This spirit had often taken control of the man. Even when he was placed under guard and put in chains and shackles, he simply broke them and rushed out into the wilderness completely under the demon's power. Jesus demanded, What's your name? Legion, he replied, for he was filled with many demons. The demons kept begging Jesus not to send them into the bottomless pit. There happened to be a large herd of pigs feeding on the hillside nearby, and the demons begged him to let them enter into the pigs, so Jesus gave them permission. Then the demons came out of the man and entered the pigs, and the entire herd plunged down the steep hillside into the lake and drowned. When the herdsmen saw it, they fled to the nearby town and surrounding countryside, spreading the news as they ran. People rushed out to see what had happened. A crowd soon gathered around Jesus, and they saw the man who had been freed from the demons. He was sitting at Jesus' feet, fully clothed, perfectly sane, and they were all afraid. Then those who had seen what happened told the others how the demon-possessed man had been healed. And all the people in the region of the Gerasenes begged Jesus to go away and leave them alone. For a great wave of fear swept over them. So Jesus returned to the boat and left, crossing back to the other side of the lake. This is a woment. A woment. This whole series we've been talking about are about these, these moments that are kind of so crazy and so unexpected that the only response you would have to it would just be, whoa, whoa. It's a moment. And the first four books in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they're the stories of Jesus. And these people who walked around with Jesus and some eyewitnesses and some people who compiled his stories, they walked with Jesus. And these first four books are just filled, man, from start to finish with moments with Jesus. Just these amazing, almost can't believe that it's real moments in which everyone just went, man, whoa, this is crazy. You guys don't seem impressed again. I've been telling these stories for three weeks every time you just sit there all quiet. This is crazy. Okay, so we need to play, we need to play some make-believe again so we can get into it in our heads, okay? So let's just do this, okay? All you guys are, are most of you guys are probably from like, you know, Illinois Valley, around this area, or whatever like that. So if you grew up in this area, when you were a kid, most likely there might have been somebody your mom told you to stay away from, okay? That's this guy. In this town, there's this crazy naked man who hangs out in the cemetery all day. 
This is the one the moms warn their kids about, right? Don't go near the cemetery by the edge of town. There's a crazy naked man who lives there. Stay away from that guy, right? So we imagine, this is the crazy naked guy your mom told you, don't go anywhere near him, right? Maybe, in fact, we would just say, like, as a, as a reference for us, because this says it's down by a lake. For us, we're right next to the river, right? So down by the river, there's this crazy naked guy, and here's the river next to it, right? And this guy, Jesus, he comes along, and he shows up, and he starts talking to this guy. And if we were hanging out there, like these herdsmen were, they were out there just working. They had a whole bunch of herds all together. And they saw this guy talking to Jesus, and they're like, that's that crazy dude. Mom said, never talk to you. Jesus is talking to him. Let's see what's going to happen here, right? And all of a sudden, you hear Jesus say, come out of this man. And you're like, okay, that's, that's weird, right? And then in an instant, this entire herd of pigs just goes into this mad frenzy. All of a sudden, they're just eating fine. And all of a sudden, this mad frenzy comes over them. You just hear them squealing and screaming. And all of a sudden, they all tear off, run down the hill, into the river, and drown. right? I mean, if you were standing there, if you're standing there, you're like, whoa, what just happened here? Right? Maybe, maybe you need some more clarity because if we read this story in the book of Mark, it's not a small herd of pigs. The book of Mark tells us it was 2,000 pigs. It was a large herd of pigs. 2,000 pigs, in fact. Just for reference, I call one of my buddies who's a pig farmer, just to make sure I understand this. An average-sized pig is around 250 pounds when you take it to slaughter. That means that we're talking about half a million pounds of pork in this lake. Half a million pounds of pork flooded into this lake. A retail value around $100 a pig. We're talking about $200,000 worth of pig. Did anyone else think about the fact that all of a sudden you're standing there and you're looking at a lake with 2,000 floating dead pigs on it? That's a weird moment, right? Whoa! As they look out on this lake just covered with dead floating pigs. Whoa. It says they literally run to the neighbors like, I don't know what you're doing. You gotta come see this, right? Have you guys ever heard someone tell you? That's them. They go to town and like, I don't, I don't care what you're doing. I'm telling you, you have got to come see us. You will not believe it. And they're like, what? And they're like, seriously, dude, there was a bacon catastrophe. <laughs> I'm, I'm talking about Hamageddon, a total apocalypse. We were out there. There's, there's thousands of dead pigs floating on this lake. You won't believe it. You gotta come see it. Craziness, man. Craziness. Man, it was, it was a woman. They left these people shocked, absolutely shocked, man, whoa. Left them kind of surprised. But also what's interesting is we see their, their reaction to them. These people come out, they start talking or start talking to each other about Jesus, and they get scared. They get scared because at first it's just like this weird moment, right? Whoa, this is strange. But all of a sudden they get really, really creeped out because they think, okay, now this is something scary we've never seen before. And it says they literally get scared and they say, Jesus, please just go away from here. We don't want you in our town anymore because this is too scary to participate in. Are you guys very fearful people? Very fearful? All of us have fears, right? Some of us, right? I'm not a big fearful person. Um, My biggest fears, I'm kind of like one of those type A people. So my biggest fears are like, you know, failure. Failure. 
not succeeding in life, you know, stuff like that. Those are like my big failures as well. But I do have some other ones like that. Um, I do not like snakes. They don't have legs and they can move. That's the devil. <laughs> That's the devil. Don't like spiders that much either. Got bit by a spider. Don't care for spiders. I mean, I'm not like scared of them. I smash them. That's my duty in our house, but, but I don't like them. I'm not a very fearful person, but in general, people do have a lot of fears. Check this out. Just a few statistics for you, and and I wonder, probably pretty realistic in our cross-section here. About 50% of people have some sort of phobia regarding an animal, whether it be mice or cockroaches or snakes or dogs or something that might be formed from a bad past experience, or you're just freaked out by them. About 48% of people are afraid of heights. Anybody, if I got you on top of a tall building and made you lean over the edge, you get weak, a little woozy. How about the opposite direction? About 34% of people are afraid of confined spaces. Shut you up in a closet and lock it, freak you out, right? Confined spaces make you feel afraid. And about 31% of people are afraid of flying. People who are like, I would rather drive. I do not, I'm not interested in getting in a plane and taking off from the earth. If the car stops, I can pull over. If the plane stops, it falls out of the air, right? The most common fears right now in the world are usually about the same. They've been, they've been around for a while, but, but they kind of get detailed. And each year you can kind of look at them and see which ones are which. One of the top ones always, always in the top three, death, of course. All of us fear that. It's all coming at the end of our lives. I'm afraid of death uh, a little bit. More so, I'm afraid of getting old. That freaks me out, just to be completely honest with you, because that part scares me of the being older and and dying, not death itself, but the other part of it. Um, people are really, really afraid, most commonly, of this, public speaking. Some of you guys, if I was to call you out right now and be like, come on stage with me, you'd be like, no <laughs> worst case scenario of the day today, right? No, stand up and tell us about yourself. You're like, no, I don't want to do that. No. Some people just, man, that public speaking, it freaks them out. One of the new ones on the list this year, loneliness. Loneliness is one of the most common fears that people see nowadays. People are afraid to be alone. But all of us, in one way or another, we all deal with fear. All of us do. Even the toughest guy, there's going to be someone out here, some tough guy who's got his arms crossed, I'm not afraid of anything, I'm a big tough guy. You're afraid of something. Absolutely, all of us are afraid of something. If you say that, it's just because you haven't met it yet. You'll meet it someday and you'll be like, okay, that was scary. But I guarantee you, there's something you're afraid of. All of us have to deal with fear in one way or another. And here's the deal. Um, If you're kind of starting this faith journey, or maybe you're getting serious about it now, we start talking about this idea of of eternal life, eternal death. We start talking about the angelic and the demonic, and we start talking about this whole spiritual realm, and very often what can happen is it can kind of make us fearful. We can start talking about the fact that there's actually really a spiritual world around us that there actually is demonic forces. And that can start to freak us out a little bit. You hear stories about this, like a man who's filled with demons, and you're like, okay, that kind of creeps me out. I don't, I don't want to talk about that. kind of freaks me out a little bit, right? So I think that there's some, there's some importance in this. When we look at this, at this chapter, I believe there's good, solid things that we can grasp from this. A few things I want to show you. One big thing I want you to walk out of here with that I believe is going to help you as you walk through your faith journey to understand what your interaction with it should be, okay? So here's what we're going to do. We're going to jump back to the story again. I'm going to read you a couple quick pieces of it, and I'm going to pick out these things in it, okay? So we're going to jump back one more time. Luke 8, 26 through 29, just to start there. So, so they arrived in the region of Gerasenes across the lake from, lake from Galilee, 
As Jesus was climbing out of the boat, a man who was possessed by demons came out to meet him. For a long time, he had been homeless and naked, living in a cemetery outside the town. As soon as he saw Jesus, he shrieked and fell down in front of him. Then he screamed, Why are you interfering with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? Please, I beg you, don't torture me. For Jesus had already commanded the evil spirit to come out of him. This spirit had often taken control of the man, even when he was placed under guard and put into chains and shackles. He simply broke them and rushed out into the wilderness completely under the demon's power. I want you to see a few quick things for this. First of all, notice the plans that Satan has for people when he gets this way with them. Okay, we see this man. He is completely filled with the demonic. Notice the plans that the enemy has for him. Loneliness, isolation, pain by himself. That's what the enemy gives this man. When he's completely filled with the demonic, when he's there, it takes him into a place of loneliness and isolation, of pain and torment. And we see that when he meets Jesus, when he sees him, he immediately runs up to him and he knows who he is immediately. And we don't think about this sometimes, but it actually makes sense. We know the story, if we go back to the very beginning, that Satan and the demons were actually angels. At the very beginning of time, Satan and demons were angels in God's presence that Satan rebelled against God and wanted to make himself like God. And a group of angels followed Satan and were cast out of heaven. So these demons have met Jesus before. And my guess is if you met Jesus, you don't forget a face, right? If you've seen Jesus, you recognize him. And he sees Jesus and he immediately runs up and he says, Jesus, and son of the most high God, he immediately knows who he is. And it's interesting because when he meets Jesus right away, what does he say? He says, please don't torture me. He's terrified of Jesus. Jesus isn't scared of him, but this demon is absolutely terrified of Jesus. Please, please don't torture me. In fact, in the very next verse when we go, he says, don't send me to the bottomless pit, which most people would either translate to the idea of basically hell, of eternal torment. He says, don't cast me there yet. Maybe he's even heard the story, right? He has the picture of what might happen on the horizon. He says, don't send me there. He understands who he is as he meets with Jesus. As we continue on, Luke 8, 30 through 33, Jesus' interaction with this demon. It says, Jesus demanded, what is your name? Legion, he replied, for he was filled with many demons. The demons kept begging Jesus not to send them into the bottomless pit. There happened to be a large herd of pigs feeding on the hillside nearby, and the demons begged him to let them enter into the pigs, so Jesus gave them permission. Then the demons came out of the man and entered the pigs, and the entire herd plunged down the steep hillside into the lake and drowned. And this is kind of a crazy, crazy moment. Here's what I want you guys to grasp today. I'm just going to give it to you right off the bat, okay? The big point I want you to walk out of here, the one thing I want you to remember this next week, something I want you to write down in a notebook, write down somewhere, take with you. Don't ever let it slip out of your head because I believe it's going to help you, okay? We have an enemy. It's true. We have an enemy. But we are not afraid of our enemy. We have an enemy but we are not afraid of our enemy. We see this in the gospel. When we see Jesus interact with this demonic man, he shows up. We see how his reaction with him is. This demon is terrified of Jesus. We see Jesus. He's not afraid of this demon at all. 
And we see as we look through this story, as we look through story after story in the Bible, we see Jesus' interaction and how he immediately overpowers him, how there's no fear coming from Jesus towards these demons. We see at least seven times in the Bible Jesus healing somebody who was demon-possessed, some of which who were just filled with the Spirit, some of which who had actually came out of them, basically like men like this who were hiding on their own, people who were deaf and mute, people who had physical ailments because of their demonic possession. And Jesus, every time he met with them, immediately cast the demon from that person. In fact, often they didn't even have an opportunity to be able to speak. We see this in Mark. Jesus goes to his synagogue to teach. As he's teaching, this is what the story says in Mark 1, 23-26, suddenly a man in the synagogue who was possessed by an evil spirit began shouting, Why are you interfering with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. And Jesus cut him short. Be quiet. Come out of the man, he ordered. And at that, the evil spirit screamed, threw the man into a convulsion, and then came out of him. We see time and time again, in which Jesus is met with the demonic that he immediately, immediately overcomes it. That he's never terrified of the demonic. Instead, the demonic is terrified of him. That at his command, they have to obey immediately because they were created by our God as well. That he controls them. We see the fact that it doesn't matter whether it's one demon or whether it's multiples. In the Bible, there's plenty of times like this in which there's there's one man and one demon, like the story in Mark. We also see the fact that there's a story like Mary Magdalene. This woman was said to have seven demons inside of her. Jesus met her and said, immediately, be gone. The seven demons had to remove themselves from this woman. And then we see a story like this with Legion. There were 2,000 pigs, so we know there were at least 2,000 demons inside of this man. In fact, most scholars believe that there was likely four or 6,000 demons, and the frenzy that came upon the pigs was when two or three minds came into their mind. Two or three demonic minds that drove them to insanity, and they rushed off of a cliff. Whether two or four or 6,000 demons, we see the fact that whether it's one or whether it's thousands, Jesus is not afraid to go toe-to-toe with them. We see the fact that throughout Scripture, from the very beginning to the very end, Jesus never fights a fair fight with a demon. He never fights a fair fight with a demon. Whether it's one or whether it's 6,000, he says, easy odds. Easy odds. I got this. No worries. Anybody watch UFC? Anybody UFC fans? Guys, come on. What's up, UFC? Seriously, we're going to have to host a UFC night here. All right, anyways, in UFC and pretty much other fighting things, but I like UFC and I watch it, they have weight classes. And what weight classes are for is to separate the athletes into good competitive arenas. Basically, they have every single different one. You go all the way down from guys who are 125 pounds, 125, 135, 145, 155, 165, 170, 185, 205, 265. They split up all these different guys into different classifications. The reason why they do is because it is not fair to put a 265-pound fighter in the ring with a 125-pound fighter right? 125 pound might might be fast, but as soon as that 265 pound guy gets a hold of him, it's going to get really ugly, really fast, right? Like a gorilla fighting with like a rag doll, okay? That's what would happen. 
They separate them by size because that's the great way where you can limit how much muscle mass a man can have. That if they're in this area, in this weight range, we know they're about the same size guys. They have about the same size muscle mass, and that's what makes the fight fair. Now, there are unlimited fights, and that's completely different. But here's, here's what I want to show you. Jesus, when he's facing demons, he is fighting below his weight class. Man, it is like a heavyweight getting put in the ring with a flyweight. That when he goes toe-to-toe with them, it is never a fair fight. It is never a back and forth. The demon is completely terrified. Jesus says, be gone, and it's gone. It's like if that 265 walked in with the 125. He's like, you know what? Give you an opportunity to get out of the ring right now. And he's like, thank you, please. Okay, yes. And he walks out of the ring, and he's like, not interested in this fight. And Jesus has never fought a fair fight because he fights so below his weight class that Jesus has so much more, infinitely more power than the demonic that when he faces with them, this is the case. Whether it's one, man, whether it's thousands, Jesus overwhelms and overpowers the enemy. We have an enemy, but we do not fear our enemy. We know that Jesus is stronger. And here's why. It's not that we don't fear our enemy because we're stronger. It's not that we don't fear the demonic and the reality that there's this spiritual world around us because, man, I got it all figured out and I know, I, I know Jesus, I got this all, I'm Bible man, I, got it, I, could, I could take this. No, that's not the case at all. We're not confident and it's not that we don't have fear because we are stronger than the enemy. We have confidence because Jesus is stronger than the enemy and we have Jesus. That's why we are so confident. Not because we're stronger, but because Jesus is stronger and we have Jesus. It says this in 1 John. This is a, John later on, he wrote a few little smaller books. This is a great one. He's, he goes through this. He says in John 4, 13 through 15, And God has given us his spirit as proof that we live in him and he in us. Furthermore, we have seen with our own eyes and now testify that the Father sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. All who declared that Jesus is the Son of God have God living in them. And they live in God. God living in them. Man, this is, this is what I'm talking about here, okay? That, this faith is unlike anything else. I know I talked to you about that even a few weeks ago. If you were just here at Easter, and I mean, of course, we serve this God who is completely unlike other gods, this amazing creator, this amazing God the Father. And then, of course, unlike anything at all, we're the only faith that believes that our, our, our failures and our flaws, our sin that separated us from God, that all of us fell away from God, then that there isn't some sort of way that we can work back towards it by doing good things. We're the only faith who understands that if we offended an eternal, powerful, perfect God, there is no way to right that by our own actions. And that Jesus, the loophole in the system, comes as God, lives a perfect life, and then dies. And when he dies, he can't pay for his own life with his death because he didn't have any sin to take to the cross to die. So it literally says that since he went to the cross and he was going to die, he had to carry someone else's sins. And since he was infinite perfection as God, he carried all of the infinite sin of the world from beginning to end on his back and died on the cross to pay for it, resurrecting and coming back from life, proving that yet not only was the, was the balance equal, there was still more grace in Jesus than there was death in the world. And that's amazing. But then our faith goes yet another step farther. That not only did Jesus beat death, win, win us back to God, restore this relationship with God by nothing that we do, simply trusting in Jesus. As he leaves, he says, when I leave, I will send you a comforter. 
And it is named the Holy Spirit. It is my spirit. It is the spirit of God. The same spirit of Jesus that you felt with me while I was walking here is going to come and he's going to be around you and in you. And he's literally going to live inside of you as a believer. Not just around you. That he says he's literally going to come into your heart, into your innermost. That in those moments where you feel like you go to do something and you're like, I'm not supposed to do this. You feel like all of a sudden that's not correct. That's the Holy Spirit speaking to you and he's talking to you in whispers inside of your mind. That we literally have God inside of us as Christians. And that is the most miraculous, unlike anything else faith you will ever see. There is no other faith like that. That we have God inside of us. He says the spirit of Jesus will be inside of you. That same power that was in Jesus that that cast out those demons, that same power by which he did that is now existing inside of your heart, walking with you inside of your day. It says this in 1 John 4, 3-4. This is before what he had just said, what I quoted. And I read the first part to you that was later, before, because it explains, because he said this and was trying to say, let me explain all this. 1 John 4, 3-4, he says, But if someone claims to be a prophet and does not acknowledge the truth about Jesus, that person is not from God. Such a person has the spirit of the Antichrist, the spirit of the enemy, which you heard is coming into the world and is indeed already here. But you belong to God, my dear children. You've already won a victory over those people because the spirit who lives in you is greater than the spirit who lives in the world. He says, don't worry. Yes, there's demonic forces out there. There's things that are in people. But I'm telling you, the spirit that you have in you far exceeds the power that's in them. That same spirit that was in Jesus has promised to live in you if you have a relationship with him. This is an amazing reality for us. Because all of a sudden, we realize we have an enemy. But we need not fear our enemy. We do not need to be afraid of that enemy because the same power that cast out these demons thousands of years ago, the same power that resurrected Jesus from the dead is living inside of us in the Spirit of God. Man, it gives us power. Talk about confidence to be able to walk. We know we have an enemy, but we are not afraid of our enemy. Not afraid at all. Think about this. What's the worst case scenario? I mean, here on this earth, What's the worst case scenario? That the enemy would somehow work out plans to end our life here on this earth. The first four books of the Bible capture, first four books of the New Testament, excuse me, they capture Jesus as he he walks on this earth. They capture a story about Jesus where a man come to him and said, my daughter's sick and she's dying. And they arrive and they say, he's already dead. She's already dead. And he takes her hand and says, come back to life. And the girl breathes again. There's a story of Jesus as he's walking along and a a widow is weeping and sobbing as she's carrying her only son to the grave inside of the box. And Jesus touches it and says, rise, and the son comes back to life and steps out of the coffin. That in the Bible, there's a story of a man named Lazarus, Jesus' friend, who was dead and buried, and they literally said, you don't want to move the stone on that grave because he's going to stink. He's been in there a while. Jesus says, move the stone, and Lazarus walks out. We see Jesus going to the cross, buried, put in a hole, into a cave, and three days later showing up to have breakfast with his disciples. Man, that same power, that same power is promised to be in us. So we say, what's the worst case scenario? Uh, Maybe the, the, the enemy would work out a way that I would die here on this earth? Well, we already meet somebody. We already met somebody, if we know Jesus, who beat death. 
We already met somebody who brought people back to life. Of course, Jesus could bring us back to life. Or if not, on the other side of eternity, we wake up happily with Jesus. It says this in 1 Corinthians 15, 53-57, For our dying bodies must be transformed into bodies that will never die. Our mortal bodies must be transformed into immortal bodies. Then when our dying bodies have been transformed into bodies that will never die, the scripture will be fulfilled. Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? For sin is the sting that results in death, and the law gives sin its power. But thank God, he gives us victory over sin and death through our Lord Jesus Christ. He says, worst case scenario, you die and you wake up in heaven tomorrow. Man, your worst case scenario is the best day of your life. Best day of your life. He has already won the victory over death. He already has the power. And that is why we realize we have an enemy, but we are not afraid of our enemy. That we walk with complete confidence knowing, man, that we have Jesus. I'm telling you, think about this, okay? Think about this. When we give our lives to Jesus, we give our lives to Jesus, it's like we take our soul and we put it in Jesus' hands. It's like we take our soul and we say, Jesus, this is yours now. Now think about this, because I've had times where I've had fear, and I've had worry, and I've had, I've had a strange thought and a strange thing and a feeling of and something weird and maybe demonic around, and I'm immediately recalled to this confidence where I say, listen, Whatever demonic forces might be here, I'm just letting you know. If you're here for my soul, you're going to have to take that up with Jesus. See, you can, you can come and you can talk to me, but let me, let me just tell you, I'm not even holding my soul in my hands anymore. Man, if there's some sort of demonic forces around me and they're trying to come, you say, if you want my soul, the only problem is, if you'd like to get to my soul, you're going to have to talk to Jesus because he's the one who's in possession of that soul. You're going to have to see him about that and ask him if you can have it. My guess is you're not going to want to fight that. My guess is you're going to walk into the ring and say, yeah, no thanks. Oh, no, sorry. I didn't realize I was facing a heavyweight. I'm telling you, if you put your faith in Jesus, you walk in this confidence because you realize your soul is being guarded by the strongest force in the universe. Man, we have an enemy. We do not fear our enemy. We walk with confidence. Here's what I want for you today. One, if you have never read these stories, you need to read them. I've been saying this for the last three weeks, and I'll say it for the rest of my life here on the stage. You need to go back to guest services before you leave if you don't have a good Bible. You go and you get yourself a free Bible. They're free. Go back, get it. You open up and you start reading those first four books of the New Testament. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John about Jesus. And you start experiencing these moments for yourself, and it will change you. You'll read about this man named Jesus and you'll say, oh my goodness, I never knew because the world paints Jesus as this anemic little weak man who's hanging on a cross, can't get himself off of it. But the reality is when you start reading about Jesus, you're like, holy cow, this man is amazing. He is a powerhouse of strength. And it changes your perspective completely because you realize, yeah, I could trust my soul into his hands. He's not weak. He's a strong God. You need to read it. Two, if you're a Christian you've given your life to Jesus, you've put your, your, your soul in his hands, I pray that you walk with more confidence than you ever have. No matter what situation you walk into, no matter how scary it might be, no matter what it would be, that you walk with confidence knowing, yeah, there's an enemy out there. I'm not afraid of my enemy. I have the spirit of Jesus living inside of me. 
and I can walk confidently into it. I pray that God would give you confidence like never, ever before. And third, if you've never put your soul into Jesus' hands, I have to warn you and tell you, your soul is in shaky, scary hands. In your own hands, it is scary. In your own hands, it is frightening. Because when you match up against those forces, the reality is all you have is yourself to stand against it. I want to do this. I want to give everyone an opportunity. Close your eyes with me for a second. Close your eyes. Bow your heads for a second. Give the people next to you just a moment to react however they want to. And I just want to offer two things. One, in the story at the end of it, these people came out and they had seen Jesus. But the situation was kind of scary and they said, Jesus, would you leave and would you go away? And they missed out on an opportunity to meet the creator of the universe, the Lord and Savior Jesus. I don't want that for you this morning. And if you've heard and it made sense for the first time, that Jesus came and he died for your sins, that he paid the price, and that he restored this relationship. And all you need to do is accept that gift and place your soul in his hands and say, Jesus, would you handle this for me? Would you be the guy who's in control of this soul? If that's you this morning, you know it's you right now, and I ask you, don't be scared and don't walk away. Don't say, Jesus, get out of here, but instead embrace him. Take a step of faith, and I guarantee you as you take a step of faith, Jesus will take the other hundred steps towards you, and he will meet you right where you are. Right where you are. If it's you, you know it's you right now. You can feel it in your heart. I'm going to count to three, and at three, I just want you to raise your hand. I want to be able to pray for you. No one else is looking around. It's about you and God. When you raise your hand, though, I want to be able to pray for you this morning. Three, two, one. Shoot your hands up if it's you. Yeah, I see you up here, ma'am. I see you here, ma'am. I see you there, sir. I see you, ma'am. I see you, ma'am. I see you, ma'am. I see you, sir. I see you, ma'am. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine people. And let's join with them right now, all of us, all of us. You've raised your hands. You pray this prayer in your heart, in your soul. You pray it with your lips, and we're going to pray around you. All of us who've said this prayer before, we're going to pray with you so that you have just an echo to walk with you, okay? So pray this with me. Lord Jesus, I'm sorry for my sins. Thank you for dying in my place. I put my soul in your hands. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God, thank you. One more second. One more second, and then I'm going to celebrate with you because that's amazing and that's awesome. Okay, close your eyes for one more second. And I just want this. For everyone else, here's the deal. One last prayer. If you have walked in fear, for many years, and if talking about this has freaked you out and maybe you've been unconfident, but you realize that this needs to change you and you need to walk with confidence. If it's you, I want you to throw your hands up. One, two, three. Throw your hands up if you say, Jesus, I need you to help me. I want steel in my spine. I want to be strong for you. Yes, let's see your hands. Keep them up for a second. God, I pray for each of these people that raise their hands and say, Jesus, I want this confidence that you talk about. I want this ability to just walk with, with no fear, realizing I have an enemy, Uh, But I am not afraid of my enemy because I have you, Jesus. Lord, give them confidence to be able to walk. Give them the ability to walk into any situation just confidently, courageously, knowing that you have their best in hand. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Let's clap for all those who've given their life to Jesus this morning. Amazing, amazing day.
Thank you guys so much. All you guys who raised your hands, who asked for salvation today, I'd give you, ask you just one more thing. Before you leave, if you would, stop back at guest services. Grab yourself a Bible. We have a What Next packet that you can grab. It's got a Bible with it, some places for you to start, someone you can talk to, you can connect with us, email us. As well, there's a card back there that just says, Yes, Jesus. I'd love for you to fill it out, take part of it home with you to remind you of the step that you took this morning and something that we can connect with you. I'd love to just send you an email or give you a call this week if you took that step and encourage you because I believe Jesus is going to do amazing things in your life. Go confidently. We have an enemy, but we do not fear him. Have a great week.